Hey everybody, this is Sean Early and welcome to the Sean Early Podcast. So, the metaverse, what is it and how will it impact entertainment, business, and culture in the future? We've all heard the hype over the years about augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, blockchain, NFTs, and the metaverse, but what does it all mean exactly? In this episode, I'm going to be going over all the basics. So with that said, I'll see you in the episode. Today's podcast is brought to you by the new Robot Spaceship Studios, offering professional podcast production, design, consulting, and promotional services to help you start your very own podcast. For more information, go to robotspaceship.com studios. Hey everybody, this is Sean Early and welcome to the podcast. So I am the host of two podcasts currently. One is the Sean Early podcast and the other one is the ARVR Magazine podcast. This podcast is going to be basically simulcast on both um, podcast channels as an episode because we're beginning talking about the topic of today, which is the metaverse. Anyway, um, kind of a little bit about my, my experience with the metaverse. I started probably about six, seven years ago, I don't know exactly the timing, but um, quite a while ago, I was interested in virtual reality. And so, um, you know, it was an interest of mine, but there wasn't really a lot of solid information about it yet online. And I really wanted to learn a lot about it. And so I decided that one of the best ways to do it was to be able to start a blog and just start discussing all the things that I had learned. And so I started a blog called ARVR Magazine, and I slowly kind of started to grow it into a pretty well-respected industry magazine about augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, and the new term, which is the metaverse. And so I started a podcast as well. And so I've been kind of immersing myself, pun intended, in uh, what I call immersive technology for quite a bit, for quite some time now. Um, I've been involved with some startups. I've been some gaming companies. Um, I do quite a bit of trend reporting, um, which reminds me, I recently, for ARVR Magazine, I recently wrote a report called The Beginner's Guide to the Metaverse, which is just an introductory guide um, talking about all the basics of the metaverse, augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality. Um, It's aimed at basically uh, business owners and C-level decision makers who just need a basic overview of what the metaverse is and how it's going to impact their business, both now and in the future. So I thought it'd be a good idea just to do a podcast about this report. I'm just going to kind of read through it and give you kind of riff off every page, maybe not every page, but I'm just going to riff off of it. Some of the stuff might be in the report, some of it I just be making it up as we go. But it's probably a good companion if you want to download the report and just get updated and get up to speed on what all this stuff is. And if you are up to speed, maybe you want to follow along anyway, just because maybe you'll learn some stuff. And also I'd appreciate your feedback as well, um, because maybe there's some stuff I don't know about. But anyway, the, the report is basically, like I said, it's a beginner's guide to the metaverse. So people who don't have a lot of awareness yet about what it is, um, I just kind of want to keep things high level. I'm not going into every single application, every single use case for it. I just kind of want to go over some of the the hardware, some of the platforms that are available, a little bit of the concept behind it, and just kind of get everybody up to speed on what it is so they can kind of start their own research from there based on where their interests are, especially when it applies to their business. 
So with that said, um, I would encourage you to download the report. It will be, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it's available in a few places online. Um, the report was done in partnership with ARVR Magazine, obviously, um, Robot Spaceship Podcast Network, which is a podcast network I'm involved in, as well as ChemWeb, which is a uh, corporate communications consulting firm that I also work for. So we decided to kind of partner all of our knowledge together and create a, a joint partnership report. And uh, so it's available um, through a lot of channels. But anyway, I'll link to it in the show notes, download it, definitely use it to read along. So you have some visuals, visuals about what I'm talking about. There'll also be a lot of links that you can click through and just kind of do research in your own time. So anyway, I'm going to click through here and just kind of give you a basic update um, as I go along. Um, first channel is just what is the metaverse? which is a great question. Um, I copied a bunch of info from Wiki just to kind of save me time, but it says here, in futurism and science fiction, the metaverse is a hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single universal and immersive virtual world that is facilitated as a hybrid use of 2D, 3D, virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality devices and headsets. So in a way, it's basically just kind of a, a mixture of all of that. Um, metaverse development is often linked to advanced AR, XR technology due to increasing demands for immersion. Um, recent interest in the metaverse development is also based on Web3 and blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, I'll get into a lot of this stuff later, but it's, it's kind of a, a hybrid mixture of all of it. So when people say, what is the metaverse? It's a little bit hard to describe because the metaverse itself kind of doesn't really exist yet. Um, the term metaverse came from a phrase that was coined in a science fiction book called Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. So they basically had this VR-based internet that everybody kind of tapped into and, and had sort of socially connected and conducted commerce and had gaming experiences and stuff. It's kind of what we sort of visualize when we think of it. Um, another popular opinion is based on a book called Ready Player One, which turned into a pretty popular movie, which kind of, you know... it. It has this, this, you know, everybody in the world kind of has a crappy life and they just basically want to tap into this futuristic, amazing virtual space. So they put on their headsets and they, you know, it's a very realistic experience and they tap into this virtual world. And that is kind of where their life is. You know, they learn there, they go to school there, they conduct business there, they do gaming there. Um, their avatars are kind of their persona. It carries around with them. You know, it has this currency um, so it's, that's kind of what people em envision first when they think of the metaverse. Um, there's kind of two different aspects of the metaverse. There's the virtual end and then there's the augmented end. So the virtual end is when you put on a headset over your head and you turn, you go into another place. And so that other place is your virtual world. Um, another opinion of the metaverse is also, um, the augmented world, which is, you know, it's a data layer around the real world that you use by looking through AR glasses or some sort of lens. Um, you know, we we connect that with, with you know, our cell phones, you know, when we play Pokemon Go or we use some sort of augmented reality application that kind of shows data over the real world. Um, that's kind of the starting point there. But, you know, I think in the future we'll be, you know, we'll be using normal glasses to kind of wander around and data will be overlaid over the real world. And then that brings us to mixed reality, which is sort of a mixture of the two. So if you have a headset or glasses or even contact lenses in the future, you'll be able to kind of switch between having data over the real world or being able to go into a virtual world. And this content, this meta content is kind of all interchangeable in that whole whole environment, depending on whether you're in, 
an augmented or, or virtual space. So I'll get into some of that, of course, as we move forward. Um, anyway, so it's it's all kind of a mixture of that. It's all kind of evolving. Um, there is, like I said, there's no real metaverse yet. There's no one unique metaverse app where I say, go get it and do this and you'll be in the metaverse. It's really kind of up to people's opinion. Um, a lot of this stuff is based on kind of siloed experiences. So, um, you know, it's typically device dependent. So, you know, you buy a certain brand of headset like the Quest 2 by Meta and you put it on and then it lets you sort of access a bunch of different games and different applications and experiences. And that's kind of its own self-contained sort of metaverse, quote unquote. Um, there's some augmented reality headsets that you can buy that also have gaming experiences that kind of happen in the real space around you. That's another version of the metaverse. But again, it's it's there's not one unique experience yet. It's very fragmented. Um, in the future, um, you know, as as Mark Zuckerberg came out, um, you know, in the last year he came out, they changed their, you know, Facebook changed their name to Meta. They said they're going to be committing a majority of their future focused um, efforts into creating the metaverse and making it more open and accessible so that it's not just self-contained in, <clears throat> you know, the the meta world. It's it's um, open so that it's more like the the traditional internet like we think of. So, <clears throat> you know, the internet that we have here, at least in the West, is, you know, you can use different devices, cell phones, your watch, um, you know, your laptop, whatever. You can access the internet through it in various different ways, very different types of data that you access. I think the metaverse is in the goal of the metaverse is to kind of be that way as well. So that depending on what headset you use, it doesn't matter if you're using your phone or laptop or a VR headset or whatever, or some sort of augmented reality lens or glasses, all that data is interchangeable into a virtual web. So that is kind of the goal of where people want to go. And there's a lot of different companies working on different devices. Um, you know, there's Microsoft, there's Meta, there's Magic Leap, there's Sony, there's Google, all these different people are creating different experiences, different devices, different platforms. But again, they're all, all these platforms are still very siloed, so they don't really talk to each other very well. So I'll get into that a little bit. Um, stepping back, just so we kind of see where it all came from, um, you know, we've had lots of experiences in the past, obviously, um, you know, We've, we've gone from stereoscopic content in the past, such as the Viewmasters when we were a kid, um, or, you know, where there's basically, a, you know, two different images that are layered on top of each other and you kind of look at them together and that kind of makes it look like you're in kind of a 3D environment um, that kind of evolved through video games and things into the past. And we got to the point now where we're sort of, we can put on a virtual headset like like an Oculus um, they call them Quest now, but Oculus headsets where you put them on and you have basically two video screens. One is over covering each eye and each screen has a slightly different perspective than the other to kind of give you this sense of depth when your eyes connect to it. And so that's kind of how we engage with at least the virtual world um, through these devices. And, you know, the the devices, you know, started off being very slow um, you know, they started off with like mobile headsets, like Google Cardboard. You may have heard of that. Um, I'll get into that in a minute. But basically, you know, there's this progression of headsets and devices that kind of started off really poorly and it kind of evolved now to where we at least have something that's very usable. So um, I would suggest that, you know, if you want to do get involved in virtual reality, 
try to, or augmented reality for that fact, you know, try to get the best quality device that you can, um, at least that you can afford so that you can start off with the best quality. Because if you get kind of inferior quality, immersive experiences, especially, especially VR, like a phone that fits into a Google cardboard box that you put over your eyes, the experience is going to be really bad. Um, it may make you sick and it may, you know, kind of turn you off to all the cool benefits of the future, um, of VR and AR. So I would say again, you know, if you're going to immerse yourself in, in this, make sure you have a good quality device so that at least you have a pleasant experience if that's your first experience. So anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, let's step back a little bit. Um, I'm going to go to, um, page seven of the, of the, the report. It starts off um, in 2016. I'm kind of giving you a roadmap of like how this evolves, so you can kind of see where where the quote unquote metaverse AR VR started, and kind of you can start to see the trajectory of where it's going. So that when we stop where we are now, at least you get a feel for how things will be progressing in the future. So I'm going to step back to 2016. Um, in 2016, um, Facebook at the time. Um, Mark Zuckerberg announced the company's 10-year roadmap. And he had one graphic, which basically uh, was at the F8 Developers Conference. And it says kind of a 10-year roadmap of where Facebook is going to be going. And it started off first as going to say, we're going to build out the Facebook ecosystem. We're going to be adding more products, such as more integration with WhatsApp and Instagram and Messenger and Search and that. And then there was another more 10-year plan, which involved connectivity and AI and AR, VR, which that was kind of the beginning point of the Oculus Rift devices that were coming out. Um, he also showed at the same time, there was this photo um, on page eight of the report where he showed a normal pair of glasses and he said, this is kind of where we want things to go. So this is the the mixed reality headset goal of the future is to take a normal pair of glasses instead of these giant bulky headsets we have and be able to have an augmented and virtual experience with it. And so that's kind of where he wants to go. And that's the the real, you know, sort of benchmark of immersive technology in the metaverse is we want to have sort of this iPhone moment. Like when the iPhone came out, it was, you know, very innovative before we had clunky cell phones that we carried around and flip phones. And they were internet capable, but they were very, very limited in that experience. You know, you didn't ever, you didn't really actually have a web browser you could open up. You just had these little tiny applications. They weren't even applications. They were just these little, little, little WAP pages. Um, I used to work for AT&T and Sigur Wireless back then. And we used to develop WAP pages, which are just these little tiny websites. Um, Since the phones couldn't actually download very much data, they actually charged you for all this data. You would access these little tiny many, many web pages called WAP pages. And they are just kind of like a list of links that would send you to a, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, screen download that you could have or a wallpaper or some sort of little, um, little web application that you would have. And <clears throat> that was basically it. Um, and when the iPhone came along, um, it was this huge thing like, whoa, uh, a phone with just a touch screen and one button and it had applications which did cool things. And it was also a phone and it also had a normal web browser on it. And that was a completely innovative thing. The smartphone just kind of blew away the world. You know, it, it transitioned the world to what the smartphones that we have now. And so I think immersive technology is still waiting for that iPhone moment as well, which we haven't really quite achieved yet. We haven't really 
achieved a point where this immersive tech is in every single person's hand and they're using it <clears throat> on a regular basis for just daily things in their life. That really hasn't happened yet. And we're still kind of waiting for that. So um, when everybody talks about the metaverse and how it's going to change the world, we're still waiting for that sort of iPhone moment to happen, which I think will take much more time before we have some sort of experience or some sort of hardware that gives us that same sort of life-changing experience. But anyway, the, the Facebook sort of roadmap talks about that, that normal pair of glasses that'll do AR and VR and the same thing. And that's where we kind of are shooting towards that iPhone moment in immersive technology. So moving forward, um, <clears throat> last year, Mark Zuckerberg um, announced that they're going to be changing Facebook's name to Meta, which is an umbrella company for all their different Facebook apps and things. Um, and he also launched a keynote video that described what his plan is for building their version of the metaverse. So it's a great video. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure you go and click on it and just watch it and kind of get a feel for where he's going with it. Um, you know, they announced then that they'll also be hiring about 10,000 new jobs over the next 10 years, primarily in the EU, um, to help build out the metaverse, whatever that is. I think he wants to focus on it being a much more open, um, decentralized experience. Um, also know personally from my experience working in the EU, there's a lot of data, data privacy concerns that happen here that really aren't as much of a concern in the States yet. So, um, you know, Facebook is under a lot of flack to get, um, you know, their stuff is, you know, not very, they're having all kinds of data privacy, you know, problems and, and lawsuits and things in Europe. And so I think Facebook wants to kind of get a jump on the gun and get in Europe first and try to build that so that it fits in with all these data privacy concerns they have in Europe. Anyway, that's a big challenge for them. And, you know, it seems to be, you know, if I, I check LinkedIn all the time, they have tons of people they're hiring in, in Hamburg and Berlin and, you know, a lot of these sort of metaverse related jobs. So, you know, they're definitely, they're definitely moving in that direction. So that kind of leads me now um, to some of the existing sort of platforms that are available, which kind of start off this quote unquote metaverse experience. Um, the first one is a platform called Sandbox, which is a virtual world where players can build, own, and monetize their gaming experiences in the blockchain via its, its own Ethereum-based digital currency called Sand. So this is basically a virtual world. It's PC-based, so it's not even, you don't even have a headset yet to access it in VR or whatever. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Minecraft in a way in terms of the graphic quality. And you can sign up and you can go in there and you can buy virtual real estate and you can make virtual, um, you know, assets such as, you know, you know, all kinds of different things, vehicles, clothing, um, furniture, all that kind of stuff. You can create them as NFTs, which I'll talk about in a little bit, um, and you can have value. So they have a, their own currency, which is called Sand um, in Sandbox, and it's basically NFT-based currency. It's their digital currency just in that environment. There's a lot of celebrities getting involved, like Snoop Dogg and Adidas and Dead Mouse. And anyway, you know, it's just a it's a PC-based virtual world that you can go and lots of other people go in there. It's not really in VR yet, so it hasn't really in my mind, it's not really the metaverse because the metaverse also for me needs to include some immersive experience, I guess. Um, some people might argue against that, but for me, that's the case. Um, anyway, Sandbox is one of them. Um, there's a couple more. There is um, Decentraland, which is basically the same kind of thing. They have their own Ethereum-based digital currency called Mana. Um, again, it's the same kind of thing. It's just a virtual world. It's a little less 
it's a little bit more 3D kind of looking. It's not so uh, it's not so Minecrafty looking. Um, people kind of look a little bit more 3D gamey a little bit, but it's basically the same kind of thing. It's a PC based virtual world where you walk around in and you do lots of stuff. Um, third, there's obviously Roblox. Roblox has been around for a while. It's basically you know some of the younger kids play a lot of Roblox. It's a virtual world in that, you know, same kind of thing. There's lots of games inside of it. And a lot of people actually make games for Roblox. Um, there's a currency inside there as well. And so I think that's kind of the same thing. It's it's PC-based. It's also, um, there's some form of VR access I think you're available to get in there with. It's also mobile-based. So, but again, it's still like a, a virtual gaming world that you can go into. Um there's Altspace VR, which is actually VR-based. Um, Altspace has been around for a little while. They were purchased in 2017 by Microsoft. And it really is sort of a VR virtual world. Um, if you own the MetaQuest headset, you can just download their app and you can sign up and go in. And you can walk around in virtual space and you can attend events and you can um, interact with people. There's all types of different things going in in all spates. So it's it's kind of interesting. I think it's probably one of the more popular VR sort of virtual worlds out there. Um, skipping ahead, Meta um, has something called Horizon Worlds, which is kind of their version of that that they're building. Uh, launched last year in beta in the U.S. and Canada. Um, I personally haven't had access to it yet, but it seems like, you know, there's ways to go in and... You know, you need, obviously you need a MetaQuest headset to access it. Um, you know, there's lots of social gaming in there as well. You can create code blocks and what they call gizmos and create physics and animation. So you can create stuff in there, um, stuff to do. Um, I have heard a lot of people say that as soon as they got in there, they're kind of getting mobbed by a lot of people from all over the world who just kind of want to come up and, and mob them and do a bunch of nice things. Um, so I think Horizon Worlds needs a little bit of work to kind of play out the, to work out the, the, the basics of making people feel comfortable in there, much less, you know, adoption rate. But uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to checking that out. I think, I don't know if it's available in Europe yet. I haven't checked recently. Um, if it's not available yet, please Meta make it available for Europe so we can check it out as well. Um, moving forward, um, HTC has their own headset called the Vive. A bunch of different variations have come out. Um, they just launched in twenty in March twenty twenty two. They announced something called Viveverse, which is kind of their version of a uh, virtual world. Um, they also say it's going to be based on um, Web three. It's going to be Web XR, which is kind of a open coding environment. So it's going to be a lot less siloed, or at least that's what it says. So I think uh, this shows a lot of promise. I think if you think about the two biggest virtual reality headsets, which I'll talk about a little bit, it's the Quest 2 and it's the HTC Vive. And so I think there'll be a lot of people using the Vive and the Viveverse when it comes out. So I'm interested in seeing, exploring that. And it looks very 3D. Graphics looks pretty cool. Um, so I'm curious to see how that goes, especially, you know, the WebXR aspect of it so that it is um, more decentralized and easier to access, more like what I think about of the internet. Um, so again, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, brings me to uh, page 16, which I talk about Second Life. And Second Life is a way old school kind of virtual world. It's been around since 2003. It's just a 3D virtual world. But um, Second Life is still around. It was invented by Linden Lab. And there's a lot of 
just social engagement in there. You know, people buy virtual real estate, they buy, you know, all kinds of 3D assets. They have their virtual sort of homes in there that they decorate, they decorate their avatars. So there's a whole ecosystem, which in Inside Second Lab that's been evolving for a long time. Um, I think there's no current VR support yet, but I read that that is probably in the works, which I would hope so, because I mean, it seems like it'd be a logical step to do something like this in VR. So um, I'm hoping that Second Life, you know, like I said, it's old school. A lot of people kind of did it and they left, but there's still a lot of people that go in there. They have, you know, their social life is in Second Life. So um, I hope that kind of evolves. I hope they continue to get funding and kind of build that out because I think that's, they've had a lot of time to explore and build out a virtual world um, and kind of make that evolve. So I, I hope that, I hope that continues. Um, a lot of people talk about games like, you know, popular games like Fortnite, like Epic Games Fortnite. A lot of people think that that's kind of like the metaverse too, because there are some sort of social engagement in there. I mean, in Fortnite, basically you go to, uh, you know, you have this battle royale map and a bunch of people meet and they have a battle and the last one alive wins or whatever. Um, I've never personally played Fortnite. I'm not a huge gamer per se, but I just kind of keep aware of these games. But anyway, they, they say it's kind of like the metaverse because one, you can communicate and socialize in them like any multiplayer game, basically. And there are also sort of these events and concerts that have happened, you know, Marshmallow and Travis Scott and Ariana Grande. She had, you know, they had, they had concerts in Fortnite. So it's kind of a virtual universe too, even though it's not really this giant universe that you kind of can just go do whatever in. It's still a game and is still a very siloed environment. And I think it's funny because, you know, considering all the games that Epic Games has, I would think that they would want to build out this virtual universe to connect all their games with. And I think that's the one missing piece that we haven't seen yet is, you know, you can't just go from one game to another in any sort of virtual reality or any metaverse related environment yet. You know, you like, if, if I buy an Oculus and I put it on, I, I kind of have this, this lobby that I'm in that allows me to launch different games and different applications. But, you know, there is no unifying experience. Like my avatar in the quest is not the same when I enter into different games. Each game has its own sort of personality. Each game has its own sort of world in that, but they don't, crosstalk. And I think that's the big missing piece in VR is this, everything is so siloed. And it's, it's interesting, like I said, with, with Epic games, you know, they have so many games and they're all owned by their company. So why, why don't they allow this, this kind of breaking out of the siloed experience at some point? I, I hope that's coming soon, but I still don't see it. So when people say the metaverse is there, it's not really there yet. And for me, that's really a factor is when you can, you can, transition between different games and different applications with the same unifying avatar, the same unifying assets, the same unifying currency. Um, multiple people can do the same thing with you. Um, that's when we really do kind of have a metaverse kind of experience, at least in my opinion. And that, that doesn't really play out yet. Um, there's a lot of sort of co-working experiences happening, um, such as Meta has Horizon Workrooms, which we've been experiencing with at ChemWeb. Um, you know, it's basically just a, it's a, a virtual co-working space where you can log in with your headset. It has XR ability to be able to visualize your, your desk, your desk and your laptop in front of you, like your real one. 
it syncs to your desktop so that, you know, it opens up a fake screen in front of you and you can actually do your work from your laptop in VR. And that also gives the opportunity to schedule meetings in conference rooms where you can meet other people remotely and you have your desk in there and you can do a PowerPoint presentation up on the wall or whatever you want. And so, you know, you can have sort of this sort of co-working applications where you can do uh, you can do post-it notes and scrum and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's an interesting aspect of where the corporate world may be going with virtual reality is the virtual meeting environment. Because, you know, when you do, when you do like a teams or zoom or something where you're doing a, a web conference or web chat with, with coworkers or people you're doing that with for work, um, you know, you, you see photo, you see videos of people who may or may not be you know, there on screen, sometimes you just see the user pick, but you don't really have that physical interaction. I think that's the thing about this sort of virtual co-working space where you kind of have an avatar and pretty soon, I think with the next Oculus headset that's coming out or the next Quest headset that's coming out, it'll, it has facial recognition. So it'll know, you know, when you're making an expression or where your eyes are moving um, when you're looking at somebody else's avatar, so it's a lot more personal. And so you have these hand controllers, your hands are moving around and it's really like sitting at a desk with a bunch of people um, in virtual space and communicating. So it's kind of an interesting way to, to communicate. Um, Microsoft has a version of that called Mesh, which is actually integrating with Teams. So you can be able to launch a, a Teams viewer and some people will be just on video chat and some people will actually be their avatars within Mesh. Um, so there's a lot of different integration that's going to be happening soon. Um, I think a couple years ago, there was a version where you could actually be in, in virtual reality on the quest and you can hold up a virtual phone and you could call somebody with messenger and do a video chat. And so you could see their video chat when you're in VR and when they're, they're seeing you in VR, through their video chat. So I think a lot of that, that sort of cross hybrid integration is going to happen a lot more. And that's kind of really where, again, the term metaverse is going to start to play out because it'll be sort of this hybrid devices, platforms. Um, it doesn't matter where you are, what device, whether it's a 2D or 3D, virtual, augmented, it all kind of will mix together in some form in the future. It hasn't really played out smoothly yet, but it, it'll get that way. Um, moving forward to slide 20, there is a, uh, Accenture, which is a big consulting firm. They have this platform they called nth floor, which is kind of their, um, their metaverse enterprise metaverse environment. So, um, you know, there's, uh, I think this year, 150,000 new hires, uh, started working, doing co-working in the metaverse. They also have like um, HR and orientation applications in VR. So you put them on and you can get a feel for, you know, you can go to a virtual HR meeting with people and get to learn your coworkers, um, get to learn about projects. Some of the projects are, are built out in 3D so you can understand about some robotics project or some AI project or whatever that the Accenture does. They do tons of consulting projects. Anyway, they have their own metaverse related app, which is very cool. I think that's uh, kind of another step in, in where this should go. Um, so it's definitely worth checking that out. Uh, move along to slide 21. It brings me to NFTs and I, I don't really have a lot of time to go over all the specifics of NFTs, but for the most part, um, NFT stands for non-fungible token. So this is a piece of digital content that's connected to the blockchain, kind of like bitcoins are or Ethereum. Um, 
non-fungible basically means it's a unique thing that can't be replaced by something else. So any kind of content, especially in, in terms of the metaverse, if you have, if you buy a virtual set of shoes for your virtual avatar, these virtual shoes will be an NFT. So they will be non-fungible, which means they are unique. They have a value in probably cryptocurrency. So you buy them with Ethereum and, you know, they can't be duplicated. So um, the problem with digital content is it can be duplicated to infinitum. So one, one JPEG of something is the same as another JPEG duplicate of it. But an NFT, having that content connected to the blockchain, it means that that piece of content is original. So that if you want to sell virtual sneak, if Nike wants to sell virtual sneakers in the metaverse for your avatar, they want to make sure that they can't just be copied forever. They want to make sure that they are unique. So a very collectible pair of virtual Nike or Jordans need to be an NFT so that there's only one or a limited amount of them available to purchase and they are tracked. There's some ownership, there's some log, they're connected to that. And so there's a value placed on the digital currency or the, the digital assets in the metaverse. Um, so this is something that's getting played out a lot. A lot of people like McDonald's are getting involved. Um, Lamborghini's getting involved. All these different people are, are connecting their 3D virtual assets to the blockchain via NFTs, and they will be available in multiple different virtual worlds. They're already being available. Um, you can create them sometimes. Um, it's still very early in that game as well, but I think, you know, virtual 3D items as NFTs will continue to be a big thing in the future, especially if there's going to be a virtual economy in the metaverse, if things will have value and have unique value and can't be duplicated. So that's something that that needs to be in place and that'll be evolving over time. Um, like uh, the sandbox, like I talked about, a virtual world um, is a 2D virtual world. They have a marketplace where you can, and they actually have an application where you can actually create these sort of pixelated you know, assets such as uh, you can make a ladder, you can make a car, you can make a a plant, you know, and with just these blocks, just like in, in um, Minecraft, these kind of little block shapes and you can create them and you can convert them to an NFT and you can sell them in their marketplace and they actually have value. So that's kind of where that is all going. Um, like you're talking about Nike, um, Nike basically just purchased a company called Artifact. I'm on page uh, 22 now. They purchased this company called Artifact, and they're basically creating um, virtual Nikes, virtual fashion, um, crazy avatars by famous, um, you know, famous artists. They also creating these environments such as these really fancy sort of loft spaces where you can you can showcase your NFTs that you purchase. Um, on the wall as art or on shelves and things. And so they're kind of, Nike's really getting a head start in terms of getting into the virtual 3D asset world and the NFT world. So I think there's a lot going on there. Um, slide 23, I basically, I linked to this guy um, who has a really cool, his name is Ryan Schultz. He has a blog. He basically has this blog post of um, a comprehensive list of social VR and AR platforms and virtual worlds amazing comprehensive list that I wouldn't even want to try to duplicate. So I just linked to him. So definitely check this out. If you want to see more of these virtual environments, um, there's tons of them out there. So I'd say just check them out and research them on your own. Um, that leads me to, um, the basics of the hardware. So there's AR, VR, XR, and 360 video. Um, first one, I talked about Google cardboard, Google cardboard is something that came out in 2014. It's basically this sort of cardboard box that has two lenses in it and it allows you to put your phone in it. 
Um, the phone is running a virtual reality application and you put it in the box and you hold it up to your eyes like a headset and it allows you to kind of get this virtual reality headset thing. Um, that was kind of their way to kind of have a low cost system for encouraging interest and development in VR. Um, there's a lot of Google cardboard headsets that were created, especially branded headsets for marketing campaigns who were having some sort of virtual experience they were selling. Um, a lot of people's first experience was, was Google cardboard. It was mine too. Um, I, you know, I thought it was amazing when I tried it out, but also it's very, you know, if you have a slow cell phone, that's not running your virtual reality application very well, um, the lag on your eyes will make you sick. So mobile virtual reality, at least inexpensive virtual reality, where you have to put a mobile phone in it, very be very careful because it can make you sick. And that's not really cool, especially if you've never experienced it before. Because like I said, some people put on a really bad virtual reality experience on a mobile headset and it's so bad it makes them, it makes them sick and they'll say, I'll never try VR again because I don't feel good when I do it. So be careful of mobile virtual reality, especially when it comes to Google Cardboard. Um, Google Cardboard kind of evolved into some sort of plastic headsets that allow you to put your phone in it. There's tons and tons and tons of those available. You know, all these people are still advertising a lot of cheap Chinese ripoff companies selling virtual reality headsets, which are basically just plastic Google, Google Cardboard with a headband on it. So you put your cell phone in there. Um, it's amazing. It's the future. And, you know, it's again, it's the same as Google Cardboard, only it's just a plastic headset that sits in your head. So be wary of that. Um, because yeah, like I said, slide, slide 29, you know, it makes you sick if you have really poor VR experiences. So that kind of leads me to the next one, which is kind of the, the future devices. Um, there are the PC VR, VR devices such as the Oculus quest headset that came out or the HTC Vive or the PlayStation VR. These were a lot faster. Um, they had sort of these external motion sensors, on them, they plugged into your PC. You normally had to have three or four, you know, USB ports and HDMI port. You had to have a very fast gaming computer with a fast NVIDIA graphics card in it. So, you know, the, the devices were 500 to a thousand bucks. The PCs, you needed to be at least a thousand, two thousand bucks for a gaming PC. Um, so, you know, you, it, it was a couple thousand bucks before you were, you were up and running with these things. So that was kind of the first introductory sort of professional VR headsets that came out. They were, you know, they were fast enough that you at least had a good experience with. Um, and that was kind of the first, the first wave of real sort of VR headsets that came out. That kind of leaves us to where we are now um, on page 31, which is the untethered VR devices, which is what they call them VR XR devices. So they're basically a self-contained version of the PC headsets. So they're a lot faster. They have, they have built-in motion tracking on them. They also have pass-through cameras so that if you're in VR, you can tap the side of it and it then it the pass-through camera shows your real room in kind of a black and white, sort of like a like that night vision goggle look, you know, so you can at least walk around in your room with a headset on because you're looking at your room through a camera. So at least you don't trip over stuff, which is really nice. You don't have to take the headset off just to walk around your room. But anyway, they're, they're just about as fast as the PC headsets. They have, um, you know, they have their touch controllers that come with them. And that's kind of where we're at now with the Quest 2 and the Vive Focus 3. So that's kind of the current wave of VR headsets that we have now. And a lot of people, they're actually very popular. So on page 32, I talk about the headset sales. I mean, the Quest 2 is probably the most popular. Um, they continue to be growing year after year. I think, what was it, 12? 
2021, 8.5 million headsets were sold in 2021. 80% of them were Quest 2 headsets. So Quest 2 is probably the most popular headset that's out there right now, Meta Quest 2. Um, there's a 60-40 split that's happening, at least in the future. Um, there is, oh, my dog's barking when I make a podcast. I love that. Anyway, there's a 60-40 split in the future of headset sales. So it looks like 60% of the headset sales are going towards consumers, but 40% is going towards businesses. So a lot of more businesses are getting involved in VR headsets for lots of different applications for training and for for orientation and HR and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, there's a there's a there's a good trend indicating into the future, at least into 2026, that headset sales will continue and that a lot more companies will be getting involved in buying VR headsets. Um, moving along, um, Meta has announced that either, they're calling it either the Quest Pro or Project Cambria. I'm not very clear which is which, but um, Quest Pro headsets will be coming out probably in 2023, maybe late 2022. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, they're going to be more pro headsets. They're going to be a lot higher price range, probably in the thousand, two thousand bucks. I don't know. Um, they're going to have facial tracking for avatar appearances. They're going to have foveated rendering, which is actually when a camera senses where your eye is focusing on so that when you're, cause normally in, in, in VR, it's this sort of three dimensional virtual environment you on and whatever you look at kind of has the same, same 3d resolution to it. But with foveated rendering, um, you look at things like you do in the real world. Cause like in the real world, you focus on things near or far and things on the perimeter are blurry depending on your, your depth of focus. And so foveated rendering will actually be able to simulate some of that depth of focus. So it should be able to give a little bit more reality in the virtual space. Um, they'll have a high res color pass through. So your, your, your sort of night vision scope view of your real world will be much more, um, clear and um, it should be a faster headset. So now that we've gone over virtual reality headsets, let's get into augmented reality. So augmented reality, a lot of us has probably experimented with a lot more than maybe VR. We've all have a little bit of augmented reality baked into our smartphones. Um, you know, a lot of people have already played Pokemon Go, which is augmented reality. There's also the the camera filters such as Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok that put, you know, crazy effects over your face or uh, it makes it snow around you or makes a crazy, you know, cartoon character head over your head or whatever. So that's a lot of, you know, AR that we've already experienced. Um, I think the new, the new iPhones, you know, they have a measuring app on there, which allows an AR to scan something like a, a pen on the ground or measure you know, the space of a room or something that's AR as well. So there's a lot of utility apps as well. So that's kind of the mobile AR that a lot of us have experimented with already. And I think those are continuing to evolve. I think they're great. They're really cool. Um, they're fun, they're entertaining. So that's kind of where that's at now. And I'm sure it's going to be continuing to be that way. Um, moving forward, we kind of get into more of the commercial AR devices, which are the actual AR headsets I think the Microsoft HoloLens was probably one of the first more popular ones. Um, you know, it's been around for a while. It connects to your PC and it basically has, uh, you know, there, there's various ones. There's the, there's a HoloLens, there's the newer Magic Leap 2, there's the Unreal Light, which is a mobile headset that connects to your phone. But basically all of them work um, in, in a, a process is called um, Pepper's Ghost, which is basically... 
Um, in the old days, the magicians used these illusions where there was like a, a projector that would shine up onto a mirror or a prism and the prism would bounce the light back and forth. So it looked like the, uh, you know, the projection was, was sort of floating in space and, um, you know, the way these AR headsets kind of work the same way. So they, they project the, the visual into sort of this prism or this lens in your eye, um, and your eye looks through it a certain way. So it, it looks like, you know, the, the AR experience is, is in the real world with you. And I think it's funny because, because AR headsets really haven't evolved past that. We're still in the Pepper's Ghost version of AR. So the experience is kind of, in my opinion, it's a little bit janky, especially if you wear glasses like me, it's really hard to kind of get the visuals to work very well. Um, so I think AR has a lot of potential, but I think the headsets personally for me are not super amazing. Um, I think the, the visual quality, you, I don't know, they're, they're, they're okay, but I think you're really, they have a long way to go before they become very extremely useful to me. Um, there's a lot of use cases for these, such as, um, you know, a lot of training to visualize data over a complex piece of, you know, hardware or machinery or whatever. Um, the military experience experimenting a lot with AR just for targeting or for location or just data, um, in the battle space. Um, you know, a lot of flight training can happen with it. Um, there's a lot of training that is done in AR and also medical experimenting, um, visualizing things in the real world. So there's a lot of that happening. Um, I think there's, like I said, I think there's a lot to evolve in AR, but I think the headsets, at least in my opinion, are, are kind of janky still. Um, so waiting for those to improve for better visual experience. Um, there's a couple great videos that kind of give you really sort of a, a dystopian future, but very cool look into what like the world of AR could be like. Um, one is a video called Sight and one is another video called Hyper Reality. Um, both of them are kind of twisted, but both of them have a great example for all kinds of AR use cases um, for people. And so I would say definitely check those out if you want to give a get an idea for where things could possibly go. Hopefully not as, as, as dystopian as that, but at least for ideas of, of where that could go in, in nice ways. Um, that leads me to 360 video, 360 video, something that was kind of popular a little while ago, but you know, people are still experimenting with it. Um, you know, it's basically just a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a series of cameras that take a 2d visual, um, at the same time, whether it's a photo or a video, and then they kind of stitch all the videos together in sort of a sphere that allows you to navigate around the sphere, or turn your head um, you know, you've probably seen them on your phone. You've probably seen them on, on YouTube where, you know, you could basically just, you know, you can use your, your, your mouse to kind of scroll around and roll around in, in 3d space to kind of watch the whole video. Um, you can also see them in VR. You can put a VR headset on and you can actually have a 360 video wrapped around your head. So it looks like you're inside the video, which is really cool. Um, the way that works is, um, they used to have, uh, you know, when I started doing 360 video, we took six GoPro cameras and you put this in this 3D printed camera rig. And basically you would just sync them all together with a, a remote control. And then you'd kind of stand back and you just press the remote control and hit play and then just let it record. 
and um, hopefully they're all syncing at the same time. And then you would have to take all the all the all the SD cards out of every single camera, and then you would have to load all the data up into your computer, and then you would have to run a software that would stitch all these various videos together into one cohesive video, and then you'd have to export it again. And it was a ton of work. And it's funny because within a year's time, they went from the six camera six camera rig GoPros to this thing called Samsung Gear 360, which is basically a very small sort of um, baseball-sized ball, which had two fisheye cameras on it. And that would capture two fisheye views at the same time and stitch them together immediately on your phone. And then you could have the 360 video like within a few seconds to a minute on your phone. And it was completely done. And within another year, they went from that to the Insta360 Air, which is like a little sort of golf ball size thing that fits on the top of your phone that did the same thing. And then after that, they started evolving into these, these Pro 8K cameras that would capture high def versions of these 360 videos. So I think within two years, the uh, 360 video um, technology really made leaps and bounds. Um, still a lot of people shooting 360 videos. We do 360 video at camera for, for certain, uh, you know, experiences for our clients. Some people really like them. And so they really kind of give a, a sense of presence for certain things like, uh, factory tours and, you know, complex things that you need to navigate around a virtual walkthrough of, a a city or some sort of inside environment or whatever. So um, they have an interesting use case. And so I think, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely worth exploring 360 video in the future. Um, it is a lot of work, but I think, you know, the, the complexity has gotten a lot easier over the years. And that kind of leads me to, um, the last part, which is development. Like how does all this stuff get developed? Um, most AR, VR, and XR, at least the professional stuff, is typically done using a game engine. So that's why they all tend to look very gamey because they're built in the same game engines that they use to make normal video games. Um, Unity and Unreal Engine are probably the most popular. There's a couple more. I think Amazon has um, Lumberjack, and there's a few more out there as well. Um, anyway, these are probably Unity, Unreal, probably the most popular ones. Um, and that's kind of also why the... VR experiences are so siloed because again, you know, video games are siloed. So AR and VR applications are siloed as well. Um, I think that will slowly start to break out as um, developing platforms such as WebXR and Babylon JS, which are coding platforms start to come around, which means, you know, you can have a, a, a VR experience in your browser. You can use the browser to click to launch the application in your headset and I think it's it's instead of being this sort of baked together software application like a game from a, a game engine, you kind of have Web XR, which is more of like a coding version. So it's all code, and so it's easier to basically have this sort of web experience like we have now, this, the typical internet experience where everything you know you can gracefully go from one thing to another. Um, that's really the future. I think Web XR has a lot of potential. We're going to have to see where that grows out, but. I think in order to reach that, um, you know, Meta's vision of the metaverse in the future, this distributed, um, decentralized version of the metaverse or the meta internet or the virtual internet, that's kind of where things have to go. And that will really, um, I think we'll start seeing that in the next couple of years, but um, I, I still have yet to see, like I said, a completely, you know, open metaverse experience yet. Um 
I do a little bit of summary at the end of the presentation, which is kind of basically what I just said. Um, you know, we're still waiting for the headset quality to evolve. We're waiting for the um, these virtual environments to be, um, you know, more decentralized and more web-based so that they're less siloed. And that way there's a lot more, you know, you can carry multiple people through the different experiences. You can access it from different devices in different ways. You can bounce between virtual and augmented. Um, you know, it just needs to be a lot more seamless. And I think in the future that will evolve, I think with better headsets, with better, um, you know, decentralized platforms, I think that will happen in the future. Um, So that being said, I mean, I don't want to discourage you from not going out and buying a VR headset because I, you know, virtual reality is still pretty awesome. Um, mixed reality, augmented reality is pretty awesome. I mean, there, there's, uh, you know, for the price of a a gaming console, sometimes less, you know, for a couple hundred bucks, I think they're between two hundred and five hundred bucks for the Quest Two headsets. Uh, probably the more popular headsets that are out there right now. Um, you can get one and there's tons of games, there's tons of apps, there's tons of things you can do on it. And there's plenty of things to keep you busy and keep you occupied. There's plenty of use cases to build them out for your business. So, you know, I, I don't want to excuse you from not doing it just because there are siloed environments. I would say buy the headset and just explore these siloed environments and just, you know, get used to them and enjoy them and see their potential because that's really really the important thing is just to experiment with them. And they're, you know, it's not like um, five, six years ago where you needed two, 3,000 bucks and a, a, a amazingly fast computer just to have a decent VR experience. Now for a couple hundred bucks, you get the same experience. And other than just paying for different games and things, it's it's still the same thing. And it's better because it's not tethered to a PC anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a completely, you know, mobile experience. So I would say definitely, you know, go out there, get a headset and just, just play with it and have some fun. Um, that kind of leads me to the point of like, where, where does this apply to you and your business? Uh, a lot of clients ask me like, what, you know, should we have a virtual reality strategy for our business? And f I guess that really depends on what you do for a business. I think most businesses, I don't recommend just going out and completely changing your business strategy to you know, appeal to the metaverse, because like I said, the metaverse hasn't really played out yet. It's still siloed. It's still, it's not fully developed. You know, there are companies like I'd say, you know, Nike, for example, buying a, a 3d asset company to create NFTs of their, of their fashion stuff for the metaverse. You know, that's a, you know, for Nike, that's a small expenditure, but you know, I think people that actually have physical items that will have value in a 3d space, then they want to maybe consider what their 3D strategy is moving forward. Um, the same with, you know, if you sell real estate, you maybe want to explore um, being a real estate broker in some of these virtual worlds. Um, you know, there's lots of different sort of micro use cases where you can kind of start to step in and kind of experiment and see where that goes. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put all your ducks into a metaverse-based business, obviously. Um, I wouldn't change your business strategy right away, but I think I would definitely recommend at least having a designated person or a designated department in your company, if it's big enough to at least stay up to date on what these things are and to experiment, just um, R&D, try things out, um, have some headsets in your company so people can explore, they can get some ideas. 
um, and just have the education within your company to see where things are going. Like I said, if you do create physical items that may have value in a 3D space, you may want to experiment with how you're going to transfer those into 3D and apply some value to them in some of these virtual worlds. Um, keep an eye on Meta, see where they're going to go in the future. Um, just just watch. And I think watch and wait and explore and experiment and have fun. And that's really what I advise right now. I mean, especially, you know, you have a giant company with a giant budget, then you can experiment a lot more. But I think even if you have a small company of, of a couple people or 50 people or whatever, have a designated person who's just in charge of keeping track of the new technology um, and just keep that knowledge contained and documented um, you know, a lot of companies come to us just to do, um, trend reporting on this topic. Um, lots of people come to us to write small reports on this topic. So we do workshops where we come and we bring some devices and we share some experiences with people so they can get an idea for, you know, how that may apply to their business moving forward. So I think that's really important. Um, so, you know, definitely if you're interested in that, reach out to me and reach out to us. Um, information is in the back of the report and let us know if you want to do a workshop or something, we'd, we'd be happy to, to work that out with you. So with that said, that was a, a lot of rambling about a lot of details. Like I said, go ahead and download the report and read it for yourself. It's all very high level. Um, like I said, I didn't go into every single use case and every single software application because there's so many versions out there and the, the headset technology is changing every year. So it's, you know, it's something you constantly have to keep up on. But I think at least this report will give you a good overview of where we are currently and some of the, the ways in which we came to where we are now and just give you some places to start digging in and experimenting for yourself. Um, if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to reach out to me and let me know. I'll try to answer as much as possible. I'm, you know, I'm very pretty active on social media, so I'll try to respond. And if you have any, any deeper questions and how that affects your business, you know, like I said, you know, maybe you want to schedule a workshop or, you know, some sort of trend reporting or something with us. And we'd be happy to get you up to speed on your particular, um, industry or, or however you want to apply that. So anyway, uh, this is Sean early. Um, this is also, um, like I said, this is going to be simulcast on two different podcasts, the Sean early podcast and the ARV or magazine podcast. Um, so regardless of whichever podcast you're listening to this on now, um, please be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast. Um, you know, we're on, <clears throat> we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on all the different podcasting platforms. So please subscribe and follow. So you get all the latest episode updates. Also be sure to follow on social media. We're on all the social platforms. So give us a like, give us a share. Um, please leave us a five-star comment on the, the podcast platforms. If you're so inclined, um, it really helps us move up in the rankings and, uh, we appreciate it. So with that said, I'm Sean early and I will see you in the next episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to click the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. This podcast has been brought to you by the robot spaceship podcast network. For more info and other great podcast series, go to robotspaceship.com and subscribe.